top guy left on the board. Uh, David Becker, safety from Texas, decided not to sign uh, yet, so he'll sign in February. They're still in on him. Uh, probably going to see some new competition in that recruitment. But and then John Jackson, a wide receiver from the same high school as Robertson. Those are those are really some big guys. Uh, Kadarius Gaskin and Jason Mercier from down in Florida. Uh, those are two high school teammates. Uh, those guys are also still on the radar. So I mean, I, they're still in on quite a few guys. I don't know if they'll fill every single spot with a high school player, but I, I think ideally they want to. Um, but the thing was, and I saw the statistic yesterday morning, was that I think 80% of committed prospects had signed in the early signing period, mm-hmm. which is, is crazy because so many people thought, oh, you know, this, this isn't going to be that big of a deal. But it ended up being a big deal. Guys wanted to lock their spots in and not have to worry about it. So a good majority of the committed prospects had already had already signed. And for the guys that haven't signed, it, what it's going to do is it's really going to heat up some recruitments because, uh, you know, with so few guys left out on the board, there's, there's that many more schools per recruit that are going to be coming after them and, and trying to fill out their classes late. Ryan Easterling of IlliniInquire.com joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Ryan, as, as you look at this uh, situation, uh, one guy was expected to sign this week, they haven't really talked about that much, is, is Corin Taylor. Um, where do you think that one situation is going to play out? How do you think that one's going to end? Well, he's still committed to Illinois, and Illinois is still committed to him. Um, I, I think his intentions are completely to end up at Illinois. I don't think he's wavering from that at all, but I think Illinois is also doing their due diligence in the event that something hangs up in admissions and he's not allowed in. Right now, it sounds like what they're doing is they're basically waiting to see what happens with his first semester senior year grades and see if he will be admitted. And if he is, no problem. He can sign in February. He'll still plan on signing in February. I don't expect that to change. Uh, if for some reason it does hang up in admissions, I mean, that's really unfortunate. I, in that case, the ideal situation would be for him to go to a junior college for a couple years that they can place him at and then bring him back in a couple years and have some experience under his belt. Not the best-case scenario. Best case would be him being able to qualify, but we've seen this song and dance from Illinois admissions before. It's it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get, but you just kind of hope because he's been presumably working pretty hard um, that he'll be able to clear that and Illinois will have a, a more full quarterback room come this fall. Now, uh, when you mention that, do you think are, you think he's going to qualify uh, by NCA standards and maybe be eligible someplace else, or do you think it, uh, this is strictly – is this Illinois or is this national? Well, all the indications I've gotten right now are that he probably will be okay NCAA as far as the NCAA is concerned. I mean, you've seen with, with Antoine Walker, mm-hmm. they had a cornerback yep. that was completely qualified by NCAA standards, couldn't get it in Illinois – and then, you know, very publicly stated his, his disdain for that and then went to NIU. And there's a lot of NIU guys that have a chip on their shoulder because Illinois didn't recruit them in-state or recruited other states over them. Um, but with Karan Taylor, I don't, I don't see him as wanting to go anywhere else. I, I think he's bought into Illinois, and he'll, he'll ride out the process, whatever that means. Ryan, how close is he – you maybe you don't have he probably don't have his transcripts, but I mean, is this something that is he's not close to being in, to Illinois admissions right now in terms of how his grades were a few months ago, or obviously we're, the semester is not over just yet, or maybe it is now. How close is he to potentially being admitted here? Do you know? I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I don't have his transcripts. I yep. don't know how far how far away he was, but 
Um, I know at least, you know, this has been well known that he would have to do some work from the time he committed. They were, they were kind of doing their homework, trying to come up with a plan and see how much work it would take for him to qualify uh, back around the time he committed. So they, they put together a plan for him to, to get all of his academics in order, and it was just a matter of him executing. So it might come down to the wire. I think, I think everyone knew he'd be pretty close, but if he took care of his business, he'd be, he'd be good. And now it's just uh, probably a close call. How good a quarterback is Coran Taylor? And was he better as a senior than he was as a junior? I think it's tough to judge him as a senior versus as a junior because his he, he lost a lot of playmakers. I mean, they still scored a lot on offense, and they had a great offensive year his, his junior year. Um, but, you know, his, his senior year, they gave up a lot of points and lost a lot of games because of it. Um, in a way, it's, it's almost – and I'm not saying that he, the player, is like this guy, but it's almost a situation like Lamar Jackson where at Louisville – he had an awesome sophomore year or whatever yeah. and and just lit it up, did great, team did great, but their defense was better. And then this year he put up similar stats, mm-hmm. had an equally flashy and, and impressive year, mm-hmm. but because the defense wasn't as good, he he just didn't look as good. And he saw his, I guess his, you know, maybe his reputation, not necessarily reputation, but his, I guess his standing maybe suffered a bit because of that. You, you can see they still put up gaudy offensive numbers. I think they scored like 70 or 80 in a couple games. So I'm not too worried about him offensively. I just think that defensively they took a step back and that kind of kind of took some of the shine off. Well, Ryan, before we let you go, I just want to ask you, the, the class right now is, is ranked at uh, 48th uh, in the country, 12th in the Big Ten uh, by you guys. It's not high enough. It's it's a little bit lower than than last year. How concerning, again, I'm going to make this clear, there's still more time to sign more players because the normal signing day is still coming up, but how concerning is it this is the second recruiting class and in terms of rankings, it's fallen back just a little bit? Well, I, I still think they're doing pretty good okay. considering they went 2-10 and 10 this year. Um, That's true. If you, if you take that into consideration, it's pretty impressive that they're putting together a top 50 class with a 2-10 and 10 record because um, schools like Kansas are down in the 60s and 70s, especially with them losing a couple of those guys from Louisiana they had, but um, you know, if they finish strong like they did last year, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of hit or miss left. But if they finish strong like last year, then you know you you stack two top forty classes in a row. You do that four years, and you know you should, in theory, have talent to finish in the top forty of the NCAA. So, I, I think what they've done though that's that's better is they've gotten more of those high three star guys. They've filled positions with guys that fit their needs. They're recruiting to a system. And they're sticking to it. I, I think that consistency has been what's best. In the past, I felt like some of the other staffs had reached a bit. They kind of scrambled taking guys just to get guys, whereas this staff has been very deliberate about who they take. They they kind of care about stars, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have their own internal rating system, and if a guy's not a fit, he's not a fit. But you know, when you see a guy like a Calvin Avery or a Burtis Brown that is a fit and is good, heck yeah, you're gonna love stars. So, you know, I I, I think they'll. They'll finish strong. Uh, they're in on some good guys. And I think the defensive side of the ball is really going to be the beneficiary of this class. Uh, obviously, you got great quarterbacks. But this is this is a defensive class. Well, Ryan, uh, great stuff as always. We're going to have James Kirkland on later in the show. We had him on during training camp in the summer, and I want to get his thoughts uh, so far. Looking forward to talking to him. But uh, great job, and we'll talk to you again down the road maybe uh, as we get closer to the next signing day. 
right. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Yep. Happy holidays to you as well. That is Ryan Easterling of IlliniInquire.com. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Ryan Easterling. We're going to take a timeout, switch over to the bragging rights game. That's uh, also what you want to talk about, what you want to hear about today. That's tonight down in St. Louis. Frank Cusimano of KSDK-TV down in St. Louis is going to break it down for us. Coming up next here on DWS. Griffey will from 30 feet. Had it blocked by Bowers. Five seconds left. Passes ahead. Layup. Pressy good. And it's appropriate the game ends with the ball in his hands because he dominated in this ballgame. Final score, Horn Sounds, 82-73, Missouri. Here's Tracy. Two shots for Abrams. This one would tie it. It is good. Tied at 64. Tracy with 21. This would give Illinois the lead with 4.6 left. Second one for Tracy. In the air. It is good. 65-64, Missouri out of timeouts. Lani full court pressing. Inbound, Criswell to Clarkson off his shoulder. Criswell has to run it down with one. Mid-court shot. It's all. Yes. One. The Illini have won. 65-64. And the trophy comes back to Champaign. How do you like that? Rice handling it. Six for the game. Rice with a pick from Agwu. Going, Going for, the win. for the win. For three. And he got it. it. He got oh it. Oh, my goodness. Levante Rice has won the game with a three. Oh. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 32 degrees at 9.33. The Bragging Rights highlights. The Missouri victory back in 2012, 82-73. Then the couple highlights in the most recent games. The Tracy Abrams free throws game. The Ravante Rice three at the buzzer. Just to name a couple. Uh, always good to hear those highlights. Frank Cusimano joining us from KSDKTV down in St. Louis. Give him a follow on Twitter at Frank underscore Cusimano. Frank, good morning. How are you? It's Bragging Rights Saturday. Michael and Lauren, great to be with you. I don't think I've missed a bragging rights game since I started working at Channel 5 about 24 years ago. It's normally, although not maybe recently, the best sporting event of the winter. And I got a confession, even though I'm a, a Missouri and a St. Louis U guy, that every time Tyler Griffey was in one of those games, I wanted Tyler to score 20 points and for him to do great. I coached him as a maybe a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old. Okay. I know the family for a long time. Well, it, it definitely is exciting. I've been to two of those games, uh, which is a lot less than you, but uh, I went to I was there in 2012 and 2013, and both of those games, the atmosphere was just off the charts, packed house. Now, last year, uh, there was disappointment in terms of attendance, but it was expected. Missouri was really, really struggling. Illinois hadn't made the tournament in three straight years at that time, but you know, still the attendance – was okay for Illinois fans. It was way down. But this year is going to be a lot different. A, a lot of factors. Uh, Jonte Porter on the roster, Conzo Martin, Jeremiah Tillman. Uh, the draw is big this year, and it's uh, sold out. So uh, I'm sure that uh, the excitement level, what are you feeling down there with the excitement level com at this time uh, now compared to last year? Oh, it's, it's night and day. And, you know, as I've said all week on TV, is that it's going to be the most incredible moment before the game when Jeremiah Tillman's name is introduced, <laughs> is, is announced in the starting lineup, when you got 10,000 people wearing orange, booing the heck out of them, and 10,000 people wearing black and gold 
cheering him on. We've never had <laughs> a singular moment like that. That's true, and I, that's that's going to be great if you're in the house for that. Uh, that that's going to be a, a good moment to hear. Well, that, let's just stick with the Jeremiah Tillman story in, in terms of just how has he he adjusted uh, to playing for Mizzou, and he's he's having somewhat of a, a, a decent season, averaging nearly ten points a game and and five rebounds. So having a, a, a decent uh, freshman season for the Tigers. Oh, I, I characterize it as more as decent. Um, once he figures out, and he's starting to figure out, about staying out of foul trouble, it's going to be better and better. I mean, I tell you, in the summer, I remember talking with Conzo when they first had those workouts, and he said, he's our hardest working player, and he may be our fastest player. I said, what? He's a, he's a six ten and a half freshman. How can he be your fastest player? He is. And all he, all he does to Coach Martin is, is say, I want more. I want more. How can I get better? How can I get better? I think before, you know, the good news for Mizzou is he's not good enough to leave for the league now. You know, the bad news for the rest of the SEC is he's going to be a hell of a player before it's all said and done. He kind of reminds me of Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Who maybe some people will say, wait, wait, he's not that good. Wait, Tristan Thompson made a boatload of money and won an NBA championship. He's going to be one of these, you know, a 12.8 rebound guy, go after every shot, great teammate, run the floor. He, he's really going to be special. Well, you know, this is Lauren. I, I, I watched the game with Stephen F. Austin, and he was so good for a long time. And then during the last 15 minutes of that game, when Stephen F. Austin was rallying and, and got within a point of winning the game, he kind of disappeared. Now, part of it is he's on the bench part of the time, too. So I, I think that's – you're right. I, I knew he was going to have foul problems. But uh, somehow, sometimes he doesn't assert himself as you might think he would. Your thoughts on that? Well, they also don't have – um, a guard, they haven't really established a true point guard who knows, hey, let's give him the ball, let's throw, a ball. Let's throw the ball down low to him. Um, I think that's, that's part of the problem. The other reason, and you just mentioned it, Lauren, is that, you know, it, it, sometimes at the end of the game, John Tay Porter out there. Uh-huh. And John Tay Porter has this really unique skill set of being 6'11", and the ability to knock down threes and pass the ball. You talk about filling a stat sheet before it's all said and done, and he's going to be there for at least two, maybe three years too, is that he does all these things that 6'11 guys, maybe a little bit like James Augustine a while back could do. He's got some small forward skills in a 6'11 body. Well, how good is Missouri right now in your view? In your view? Um, I think they're one of these teams that's like on the NCAA tournament bubble. You know, I think it's going to be one of these teams they're, they're getting better. Cassius Robertson, who you'll see tonight, is probably their best player. I'm still a little bit concerned about, you know, the point guard spot. They play a variety of guys there. All the guys there have, have played well at times. But I do think it's, a, you know, a 21-20 win team and going to be right there at the NCAA selection Sunday. Well, uh, what's your thoughts on Illinois in this game? Um, you know, I think Missouri played better. I thought, you know, Mark Smith got off to that incredible beginning, and now, you know, he's, he's having good moments, but he's not dominating. I don't think anybody expected to. I think before it's all said and done, Mark Smith's going to be one of the best players Illinois ever had. Uh, I just give a slight edge to Missouri, but, you know, it, it's just there's no way you can say Missouri's running away and hiding in this game. I think it's just going to be a great matchup. 
Frank Cusimano of KSDK-TV down in St. Louis on with us in Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's the sports director there at KSDK-TV. Well, Frank, as you as you look at, at this game, uh, what are the expectations really for Missouri, more so without Michael Porter? You just mentioned the expectations for the season and how you're, you're borderline, but it's a big blow to them. Is there any chance whatsoever that he comes back to the end of the year, even though it may not make a lot of sense because he's a top five draft pick, top three draft pick? Okay. Probably. Well, I'm not in a, in a majority of this opinion, but if somebody said, I'll give you $1,000 if you get this question correct, <laughs> do you think Porter's going to play this season? I would say he's going to play this season. Okay, wow. Um, you know, we have um, a, a Dr. Rick Lehman, an orthopedic surgeon in St. Louis, who's, uh, who's worked with over 200 Olympic athletes, including Jackie Joyner-Kersey. very familiar with this surgery. And he says people come back from this a lot sooner than, you know, that original diagnosis. You know, the, look, the Missouri trainers and doctors did not even think, you know, surgery was necessary. But the mom insisted on it. I think the mom is really important in all this. And she's, you know, doing what a mother should do, looking out for her baby. But I just have a tough time thinking he's already shooting jump shots, shooting free throws right now. That a month from now, he's not going to be significantly better. And if he's able to go, do you really think he's going to, in his home city, with his dad coaching and his brother playing, never put on the black and gold jersey again? I, I think he's playing. I really do. Yeah, just playing uh, two minutes in, in his career. Well, do you think that if, if he does not play this year, let's just say he does not play, he would still be drafted uh, really, really, really high? Yeah, it may affect it a little bit, Lauren, but I can't picture him slipping past like five. Because let's face it, his draft status is not going to be determined on how he plays in Tuscaloosa or Starkville in February. It's going to be in those individual workouts and doctors looking at his back. Look, he was the best player in America for a reason. He won't drop any farther than five, and he will not be on the Missouri roster next season. What Missouri game uh, stands out to you so far this year? And I mean, they're ten and two. They've only only lost twice: lost eighteen to Utah and, and four to West Virginia. To me, the West Virginia game. I know West Virginia struggled at times this year, but that defense getting a victory in that game. Uh, do you think the Tigers learned a lot in that game about themselves? You mean losing that game, West Virginia? Yeah, losing the game, West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was, you know, the game where they really blew it at the end, where it really exacerbated the, the problem they have at the point guard spot, where, you know, everybody, they put in from Jordan Guides to Terrence Phillips. And let's face it, West Virginia and Bob Huggins, that's the one team, as Patino used to say, it doesn't matter what your offense is, you're not going to run it against them. So <laughs> it, it, it was terrible that, uh, you know, they blew that game. But since then, with Blake Harris getting a little bit more time, they're getting – more quality minutes out of the point guard spot. So they just they got to be careful, you know, uh, about turning the ball over at the, at the point guard spot. I like, you know, their other four spots. I like their bench. That's the key spot here tonight. Well, both programs, as we mentioned, have two first-year coaches. Um, Brad Underwood, uh, his team just from less than two years ago, Stephen F. Austin, as we just talked about, playing Missouri, what are you seeing from him? He's had some struggles getting the team to respond to inbounds plays and things like that. He's getting a little frustrated. Like these plays have worked for years, and now they're not working. From your vantage point down there in St. Louis, do you see this as growing pains just from people trying to adjust to Brad Underwood, or is there something else that you're seeing that's not working for the Illini? Well, the only thing I'm assured of with Illinois is in the near future, they're going to figure it out. 
Now, the near future may not be by the end of this season. It may be next season. But you don't have the most efficient offense in the country last year at Oklahoma State without you know, having a coach that's got a great system. He, he needs some more players, but I have complete confidence that basketball mind, the dues he paid to get there, he's going to be great. And I know the early signing period was, was pretty productive, too, and who knows if they get Liddell out of Belleville West in the future. But all I can say is I believe that Brad Underwood is one of the great offensive minds in America. EJ Liddell, I, I, before we I, we want to switch over to the Cardinals and get your thoughts on things are going there as well. But EJ Liddell, a great player down there, Belleville West, uh, had, a, had a monster game a week ago. Was blocking a lot of shots. Uh, what what have you seen from him, and where do you think that recruitment leans right now? Well, first of all, he is a beautiful player to watch because he's like six seven. He has range. I mean, three point shooting range. Plus, he's got a big body that'll get on the block. He handles the thing. He's the best, I think, overall player in the metropolitan area. And I do think it is a legitimate three-team race. His cousin, Tommy Liddell, great player at SLU, Corey Tate's all over him. He's been to Mizzou already a couple of times. I'm sure there's a good relationship there. And then I know Illinois, being the home state, has got to have a strong, you know, strong in. It's one of the first battles where I do think it's coming down to those three. It'll come down to those three schools at the end of the day. Well, Frank, let's switch you over to the Cardinals. Uh, at about nine or ten days ago, the big trade for Marcel Ozuna. That was a, a great uh, start, if you will, to in terms of a marquee name this offseason. Uh, more needs to be done. Manny Machado, uh, that looks like Baltimore is going to keep him, not move him unless they get blown away by a deal. Um, what is the next big move for St. Louis? I, I keep looking down in, in Florida and Tampa Bay for Alex Colomay and, and potentially Chris Archer. I'm glad they didn't go the Evan Longoria route with that, with that massive contract. Do you see Tampa Bay as being the next target for, for, for the front office? Well, I spent some time with John Mozilek on Monday and with Bill DeWitt a few days before that. And both of them went out of their way to say it was bad reporting on the national scene and the local scene to link us closely with Coleman. I think that okay. they believe that Jordan Hicks or Dakota Hudson – or some of their other really good young arms could eventually be the closers this season, and they'll get by with some of the bullpen guys they have now, uh, that they're not going to give up the farm to get Colomay. Uh, they're definitely not going to do it with Machado. You know, there was a, there was a story out that uh, Weaver and Reyes for Machado. And no Bill DeWitt said, I wouldn't give up one of those guys for Machado. You know, like, you're talking about like 11 years of service for the summer of Machado. Now, who knows what happens with Baltimore uh, as this thing evolves, because Baltimore has to be thinking, if, if we just lost our closer. The Yankees are great. The Red Sox are better. We finished in last place with Machado last year. Why should we play him this year and have him walk and all, of the, all we get in return is a draft choice? Maybe their asking price comes down. And I wouldn't be immune to trading Carson Kelly in a move. But, yeah, they're not – look, the, the bottom line is they are not giving up those precious, prized right arms. They, they just – they value them like they're firstborn. They're just not going to do that. I'm glad to hear that because – Me too. I, because when we get down around to it, it all comes down to pitching anyway. In the final Absolutely, analysis, yeah. it's down to pitching. And, Amen. And if, if – I'm not sure that – I'm not sure how good Weaver is yet, but I'm, I think Reyes is, is going to – can be dominant. Uh, how do well, you? I love, yeah, I love. We, 
Weaver. Excuse me, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Weaver's going to be special. The one that did not look good, who was their minor league pitcher of the year when he got a cup of coffee in the big league, is Flaherty. Right. But he's only 21. He's been a professional for just four years. So they think he's going to be special, too. And with Reyes, Dakota Hudson, there's Jordan Hicks, throws 101. Man, they are loaded. Yeah, well, that that's the key to everything, I think, in, in the final analysis. Um, are you satisfied with uh, Jerko at third base for a full season? Um, you know, they'd be a much better team. This, uh, this is the way I've always viewed it. They're a really good team if Jose Martinez and Jed Jerko are your platoon players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can live with Jerko at third and, you know, see, if you got the other bat, let's just say you got Donaldson, then all of a sudden you have Yadier Molina hitting seventh. If Molina's hitting seventh and Martinez and Jerko are coming off the bench with, who knows, maybe Randall Gritchick, I mean, that is a loaded stack team. Uh, I don't know. You know, Rick Hummel, our Hall of Fame sports writer, he says Jose Martinez has got to be the starting first baseman from, for what we saw last year, the way he hit. He was their best, you know, hitter down the stretch. I don't know. It, it appears right now, though, Matt Carpenter is going to be at first, and um, Jed Jerko is going to be at third. Frank Cusimano of KSDK-TV in St. Louis joining us on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. It looks like Reyes uh, is going to come out of the bullpen uh, this season. Uh, that, that seems to be the sense from the front office right now. When's a realistic time do you, do you see him up with the major league roster when, he gets, when he's fully recovered? Oh, no, he's going to start the team. I think this is the way uh, they're going to do it. He's going to start the season on the big league roster and come out of the bullpen. Okay. You got to remember, they, um, you know, you miss a lot of starts that first month because of the weather and there's days off. I think, you know, by one month in, by May first, Alex Reyes is going to be in the starting rotation. That way, you know, you can really curb his innings if he's not getting a lot in the first month. But, yeah, he'll be with the big league team. Who knows? John told me yesterday, on Monday that he may be the closer to start the season. Who knows? They're going to be very careful with his innings early. Is there any, any chance, uh, as we move along through this free agency period here in the offseason, uh, it seems pretty quiet on Lance Lynn front. I haven't seen his name out there a lot across Major League Baseball, and maybe you have. Of course, you're paying a lot closer attention, I would imagine, being down there. Any chance that uh, if things continue to just kind of sit out there quietly, the Cardinals go to him with a, with an offer if they need to fill the rotation? Or I've seen John Moseo's comments that he, they, they, he feels confident about a starting rotation. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would be quite as confident. Uh, I'm with you. Rotation because you right now you have Wainwright as your four and Michaelis as your five. So uh, you know who knows if Adam Wainwright can come back. They're counting on him. They build the width set. You know, he's, the surgery was minor. He's, he's healthy right now. I guess if you're paying somebody $19 million a year, you'd want him to be pitching seven innings a game instead of the seventh inning. So, yeah, I'm not thrilled about their starting rotation as we speak, uh, to be honest with you. Well, Frank, uh, before we let you go, and have you pick the uh, the final score tonight. I think Missouri's, <laughs> Missouri's favored by uh, four and a half. We had a text on our Castle Heating and Cooling text line. I believe it's four and a half last time I checked, but uh, – What's the pick tonight? Uh, I know you're, you root for Missouri down there, but uh, how do you put your hat on tonight to, uh, and tell us what happens tonight? All right. If, if I'm taking my Missouri hat off, I yes. just had a better milkshake at Crown Candy, our legendary milkshake place here. I'll go uh, 77-70, Missouri. 77-70. Well, I, I think hey, of- I, I, Frank, there have been a lot of upsets lately, so I'm going to tell you a story. 
We saw what happened to Penn State last night. You saw what happened to Big Ten. More, more upsets. North Carolina got upset. Indiana got upset by Fort Wayne by 20. I picked the top 10 events of 2017 for the paper, okay? The top 10 sports events by the Illini. I got through nine. We don't have any in football. <laughs> you know, I got through nine events. You know what my 10th is for 2017? You can guess it, can't you? Yeah, Illinois beating Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, you know, doesn't hurt to guess, does it? No, not at all. Well, <laughs> well Frank, uh, you know, Illinois got uh, Burtis Brown over Missouri yesterday. The Missouri got the win in the women's basketball game against the Illini yesterday afternoon, 72-55. So I think it comes back around to Illinois' turn today. I, I think it's just we're, we're just flipping. They're overdue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's the rubber, it's the rubber game of the series today. Like a, let's see, is it four times in a row? Yeah, yeah. four times in a row. After yeah. Missouri won it four times in a row, I believe. Yeah, and then Illinois won it like eight or nine before that or something. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so it's yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see what we'll see what streak if the streak continues or ends tonight. Frank, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you again uh, in the future. Thanks so much for your time, Michael Lauren. Thank you so much. Have a merry Christmas. Merry Thanks, Christmas Frank. to you guys as well. Bye bye. Frank Cusimano of KSDK-TV down in St. Louis, a sports director down there. Uh, always good to have him on the show and uh, breaking down uh, the Mizzou game. Obviously, he knows the Missouri Tigers a, li- a little bit better being down there in St. Louis. Let's get a couple text messages. I mentioned one on Red in the Castle heating and cooling text line uh, from the uh, 618 area code. Underwood trying to really recruit St. Louis by doing zero media the week of this game. I'm not sure what you mean by zero media. He did his uh, – game preview on Thursday he sat down and it wasn't even a teleconference it was the it was an actual news conference and he talked about the Mizzou rival we got a couple sound bites uh that we can play later in the show for you well he's uh, never been bashful about talking to the media I've never known any who no. uh, did, he, did he turn around somebody in St. Louis uh, I'm, I'm not aware I, I didn't even I, I haven't seen any reports of that but he usually what every game before every game it, usually the day before in this case yeah. it was two days before yeah. he does because he was traveling the next day yeah he, they were traveling yesterday so we just made it easier to do it on Thursday he did his news conference now some road games he'll do a teleconference and, and we won't even get him in person mm-hmm. uh, but this time he, he sat down at State Farm Center in the media room and did a teleconference have a long, media, news conference however long it was and talked about the Missouri game. Well, he game. doesn't duck any questions. No, he doesn't. And I, 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 so I don't really know where that text coming from. If there's something else in, involved with that that I, you know that we're not aware of, let us know. But I mean, also like if he did turn down a, a an interview request, uh, it's probably because he had busy. Like he only does so many things prior to games, and this is the middle of the season. I don't know of any college basketball coach that does a lot of extra media beyond what they normally do. Um, they will here and there, but we, I mean, that's so I don't, I don't know what that's about. Well, I don't know, either, but you, uh, obviously you, you don't do anything in the last, basically the last, uh, the day of the game, if a night game, you're not going to do any media at all. No, no. Nobody does. Nope. We'll take a timeout. Give us a call, 356-9397. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357. We're going to switch back over to Illini Football Recruiting, Director of Player Personnel. In about six or eight minutes, we'll get him on the show, and uh, James Kirkland, uh, we had him on over the summer, if you remember, during training camp. Get his thoughts on this recruiting class. Uh, he can't mention names for guys that aren't signed, so we can't really talk to him about Corin Taylor. Uh, so it'll be good to talk to him again as well. And we'll have more bragging rights conversation between Lauren and I later in, in the show. And we're also going to talk about an Illini basketball uh, recruit. Uh, he had a 
pretty good game yesterday. We'll tell you who that is and what he did if you haven't heard already. Everybody's on social media now, so you probably have. But uh, we'll tell you about his stat line last night. Second great game in a week. Uh, we'll talk to you about that later in the show. Uh, take the time out. We'll come back. Stay tuned here on DWS. I coach basketball to be a part of games like this. And I hope we recruit athletes to be a part of games like this. Uh, I, I love rivalry games. I think they're exciting for the fans. I think they create uh, the atmosphere. This is obviously one that has tremendous history, tremendous passion, uh, has had great, great coaches, has had great players. I come at it from the from the basketball side and more as a bystander. Um, I know I've always watched that game because I enjoy watching rivalries. I enjoy watching it. I, you know, you, you can always kind of count on it being right before Christmas and and uh, being on TV and good teams and and um, you know, I, I have tremendous appreciation for that. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 31 degrees at 959. Got to get James Kirkland on in just a few minutes. Little Christmas music for you following Brad Underwood and his excitement for the rivalry game. Uh, Lauren, I, I think a lot of college basketball coaches uh, just watch this game around the country, whether they're connected to the game or not. Of course, Brad Underwood had a connection to the state. Uh, but it's just a, it's a game that just goes way back, and there's a lot of famous, you know, Historic coaches and Norm Stewart and Lou Henson in this game, of course, Bill Self and, and others who have, are big names in college basketball these days have been a part of this game. And, and you've been to every one of them, almost every one of them, I'm sure. Um, it's just a gr- I, I was fortunate to go as a fan in 2012 and then I worked in 2013 and I, I've just never been anything like it. Well, it's it's fanatical. There's no doubt about that. I I, I think I go back to I, I remember uh, Lou uh, taking the team down to Missouri and felt like the officiating was had cost him a ball game. They lost by one or two points uh, way back. Uh, and I know he dropped the game when Stepanovich was a senior at, uh, at Missouri. And then they took it up in St. Louis, which I think both schools felt better about the fact that they didn't have to play in the other team's home court, you know. And now that it's just a, there, is no, there is no home court down there. It's, it's, it's equal. It's 50-50 and uh, has been 50-50 much of the time, although not in the last couple of years. It's been, Illinois had the dominant fans, but it's been a, a remarkable series, and, and Illinois had more than good luck in this series Well, over e- time. Yeah, even though Illinois leads the all-time series 24-12, to I mean, there's been a lot of close games. A lot of close games. Uh, I was 93, I believe, was the Kiwan Garris game where he free throws, and a, a great all-time player here at the University of Illinois. Had had a great, had played a lot, a lot of really good games in that series against Mizzou. Uh, but I remember being at my uh, grandparents' house for Christmas, watching him miss those three free throws that would have sealed the game with no time on the clock, and I, I've and I've just never forgotten it. And yeah, it wasn't three; it was two. Two, two, set two. Yeah. That's right. Yep, but, yep. But the thing about that's it, why we, you're in here because you remember better thing, than me. The thing <laughs> that we all remember is, and I'm sitting on the side. I got a front row seat. Yeah. And here's here is uh, uh, the uh, Missouri coach is standing out there at the fifty at the fifty yard line, you know, mm-hmm. midcourt, yeah. And uh, Norm Stewart came out off his bench to complain about the call and was standing right behind Kiwan when he shot the first one. When he missed the first one, 
he took off and ran back to his bench so he wouldn't get a technical. Oh, let's see and that. Then, and then, and but I don't think Kiwan saw him. I mean, I think Kiwan yeah. was he was looking to bat. He just missed two free throws. I mean, it happens. It is, and it does happen. And he's one he of was the a freshman. Yeah, and he's one of the all-time greatest free throw shooters in school history. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So I mean, he, he had he, even that year. Yeah, even that year, he was really good. <laughs> So, and uh, one more text message, Castle Heating Cooling text line, then we'll take a, a break and bring in James Kirkland. Uh, not sure why you have a guy on who openly roots against Illinois. Well, Frank Cusimano, uh, we have him on because we want to get a Mizzou perspective on, you know, Scott Beatty had Mike Kelly on earlier this week. You need to get a Mizzou perspective and someone who covers Mizzou, who pays attention to the program, who can speak about it best. And that's why we had Frank on, plus to talk about plus what his... Plus, in, in most years, we've had uh, Mike Kelly on. Yeah. And before that, Zahe, uh, Vahe Gregorian, who are both big Missouri fans, but terrific guys as far as interviews are concerned because they know the story. Yeah, and it's like... Throughout the football season, if you listen to the show, we always have a guy on uh, who covers the team. Who can the speak opposing about, team. The opposing team, yeah. Not, I mean, and that's that's the way to do it so we can bring you the most information uh, about about the opponent for the Illini. Take a timeout. James Kirkland coming up next. Uh, Go to talk to him once again. Stay with us here on DWS. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 31 degrees at 10.05. Thanks for joining us on Saturday Sports Talk. Uh, a little Christmas music for you. Uh, the Grinch, always a, a fun Christmas movie to watch at this time of year. Pleased to be joined now by Director of Player Personnel, James Kirkland. James, we haven't had you on since uh, training camp. Uh, good to have you back on the show. How are you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. I appreciate you guys having me on this morning. Not Hope a problem. as well. Not a, not a problem. But it's it's going pretty well. Uh, Lauren and I are trying to keep stay on the air. Uh, they want us to that way they don't kick us off the air at any point. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, we want to talk to you about the the signing period that just ended uh, yesterday. The first one, the early signing period. I want to first of all get your reaction uh, to the new rule. Uh, how do you think it went? Uh, did, and you know, Lovey mentioned yesterday that more players signed than they expected. I think a lot of coaches around the country are saying that. Uh, were you surprised at the number of players, really not just at Illinois but around the country, who signed already? Uh, sure. I mean, the the thought is, I mean, with 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 so many kids committing early, you know, it, it only makes sense that programs ask that these kids go ahead and sign. Um, so having having kids go ahead and sign now, actually, I think is a good thing because for the for the next six week sprint we have once we come back after the holiday, for that sprint to the finish. Um, you know, you'll have you'll have clear you'll have some clarity in terms of who's going where, who's available, that sort of thing. So I, I think it'll make it um, a little bit somewhat easier to target recruit from there. You know, uh, this week uh, Urban Meyer, who had a number two recruiting class in the country, mentioned that he's not as big of a fan. Uh, this affects his program, I guess, because they have players who haven't really had a lot of time uh, to decide whether they're leaving or not to, to, for the NFL draft, and that makes it difficult for them when they're recruiting players who they want to bring in but may not have a scholarship. Do you think that's an unintended consequence of this new rule? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, I would say every program doesn't have um, that type of concern. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's just an unintended consequence, and I'm sure that's hard to – 
try to deal with when you're trying to make sure that you get the numbers right, make sure that you attack the right positions in recruiting, all of that sort of thing. So I, I can imagine how that would be um, difficult for teams to have that kind of an issue. Uh, James, this is Lauren. You know, one of the things that's come out of these uh, in the last couple of years are the number of players uh, who have decided not to play in bowl games in order to uh, prepare themselves for the draft. So I would think in many cases you know uh, pretty well in advance who's going to go pro because they, they've either told you or, they, or they've decided not to play in the bowl game. What, what's your reaction to this development? Um, I would say everybody doesn't do that. So, so right. I think you still have the, the kind of somewhat middling guys that maybe are third round and, and back or free agency types those guys still may opt to play in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So you you just you just don't know. I mean, in a situation where a guy says, hey, I'm not playing in the bowl game because I'm going to the league, okay, you, you can manage that, okay? That's been announced. But well, most of them don't announce at this point. A lot of them don't announce until mid-January. So it, I, I would say it's – I would say it's – it's still difficult for college programs to be able to plot accordingly, saying, "Okay, this guy's going to go to the league. This guy isn't." I, I still think it's still it's still um, a little cloudy that way, in my opinion. James uh, Burtis Brown, I think, originally committed to Florida State, and that was one of the schools that changed coaches. And there were like twenty plus schools that changed coaches. Did you find when you were recruiting that there were players uh, becoming available because of the changes in coaches? Yes, um, a lot. A, a lot of kids. A lot of the recruiting uh, really is based on the relationships that the kids build with the current staff. So once that's wiped away, you know, basically that program's starting all over. Now there's some other programs where they had coaching changes, but they reached out to the recruits right away. Hey, we still want you. You know, we want you to be part of this program, this, that, and the other, and they were able to hold on to guys that way. But the the big thing nowadays is you gotta you gotta have a relationship with the kid, and a lot of the kids that are being recruited take that take that relationship to heart. And when when you have a change, they end up moving on because they still have relationships with other programs, even though these guys commit. Other programs are still pursuing them, so. Now, all of a sudden, that program jumps back because they had a coaching change. Uh, tell me what's going on at, at Nebraska as you view it. Here you've got a coach, Scott Frost, who's recruiting for Nebraska. They, uh, they only signed, I don't know, 14 or so. I don't know the exact number, but they didn't have a big signing. And they're still coaching a bowl game for Central Florida. I mean, what, what's your reaction to that? Ooh, uh, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, hard for, it's hard for me to try to speculate on that. Um, it's an interesting situation. I would have to say it sounds like, and again, this is my opinion only. I don't, I don't know Scott Frost. I don't know anything about that situation. But it sounds like he's a pretty um, stand-up guy. Um, it sounds like he wants to bring his entire staff to Nebraska. Right. And he wants to do right by the kids. He wants to do right by the kids at Central Florida by not leaving um, before the bowl game. He wants to see it through. So. That's just my opinion. I, I, Scott Frost is a guy I've met in the past. Um, 
And I thought he was a stand-up guy then, and just based on the actions, he sounds like a, a, a solid guy at this point. So um, that's all I can really say about it because I really don't know a lot about that particular situation. James Kirkland joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's the director of player personnel here at the University of Illinois. Uh, been on the his, it's his second season in, at Illinois this past season. Well, James, as you look at we talked about Virtus Brown and Calvin Avery is a, a four star out of Texas and this starting to build this team inside out, which is, is everyone knows who knows football. That's that's probably the way you need to go because if you're not strong up front on the on the two sides of the ball, not going to have a lot of success. Break down Calvin Avery Forrest. Uh, he's a four-star player. I know you guys use your own ranking system, but how key was he to this class along with, with, with a guy like Virtus Brown? Uh, Cal, Cal is extremely important. Um, we play in the Big Ten West. Uh, in the Big Ten West, um, teams run the football. They're driven by the offensive front. Um, our ability to be able to, to compete with run-oriented offenses in our conference is dependent upon our ability to be able to disrupt up front. Um, so if you look at it right now, our roster on the defensive line, we're pretty populated on the interior in particular. Mm-hmm. Um that's a place where we have to have a focus because of how offenses are run in the Big Ten West. The importance of Calvin is that Calvin is, Calvin is a little bit of a bull in a china shop. For, for a big man, he's extremely quick off the ball. He has really strong hands. He has really good instincts in terms of being able to find the ball up front. So um, having a guy like that on the interior is certainly um, – gives us a better chance of being able to compete and thrive against the Big Ten West. They had a lot of success in Texas and in Florida. Besides, you know, Lovey being from the state, uh, Andrew Hayes Stoker does a great job recruiting down there as well. I know you yourself can't go out and recruit. But what do you attribute sure. to, uh, to outside of those factors, uh, the success in Texas, uh, drawing players from down there up to Illinois? Like MJ Rivers, for instance, a, a, a terrific quarterback. You and you and I have talked about him before. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, look, I'd be I'd be out of pocket if I didn't mention um, how good a job Drew does in terms of getting guys in our evaluation cycle. Um, he's constantly bringing guys to the table. Doesn't matter what position. So. Drew does a really good job of putting the ball on the tee for the program. The other things outside of that, I would say, number one, um, it's a direct flight to Champaign to Dallas. Yeah. So um, the travel, the travel getting from there to here is actually pretty easy, even though it's an extended drive. Um, and then the other thing is just identifying the players that we feel like can fit us help us, and then jumping on them and recruiting them and building the relationship with them. Um, so, again, that that comes from Drew, that comes from Coach Smith, that comes from Hardy. Like, it, it's, it, it truly is a full staff effort. Um, so everybody's kind of had their fingers in the pie in allowing us to be able to get guys from other parts of the country. So it's 
been it's been um, it's been a cool experience. I'll say that. Well, James, last year um, I recall you you hit late on guys like Dorsey and Gay. I think you mentioned really late on Gay and and landed him. Who are your and I know that you will probably do that again in February, but based on this group of the 18 here, who are the ones that you picked that, you know, that came out of the blue maybe? Uh, I mean, I think, I think, um, I think of two in particular. Um, one I think is more perception than anything, uh, would be Sidney Brown. Yeah. Sidney Brown is a guy that, um, you know, we made a, we went ahead and made a move on him late in the process, but Sidney Brown is a guy that we watched probably back in late September, October. Donnie Abraham brought him to the table. That's Donnie's area. So um, we watched Sidney Brown back then and said, man, this guy's a really good player. What people don't know about Sidney Brown is he has a twin brother, Chase Brown, hmm. who signed oh. with Western Michigan. So when you when we watched both of them, we said, man, we, we really like both of these guys. Well, the next question became, would we take them independently? The answer was yes, we would. So later in the process, as we're going going through guys, um, we put on Sidney Brown. Defensive staff really liked him. Um, you know, they, they, they still liked him. And so in that situation, we went ahead and made a move on him. And he was a guy that really had been in the hopper, but, you know, the development and the public um, knowledge of it came a little bit later. So that would be one. The other would be Kirby Joseph. Um, Kirby Kirby was a little bit of a late development, but, you know, Paul Williams is a guy who brought him, brought him to the table. Um, he went out the last time the la- after the season once the coaches were able to go out. He saw Kirby out there, worked him out. Um, and when he saw him, he felt like, hey, this is a guy we really need to investigate. Um, we got on that immediately, and the defensive staff liked him. Hardy felt like there was a place for him, um, and Coach Smith was on board with him. So, like, it, it was it, he's a guy that, you know, even though it, it was a little bit late in the process, he was a guy that, our entire staff said, hey, this guy's a good football player and there's a fit for him. And so we made the move on him and we were able to sign him up and add him to the add him to the group. So we feel good about those guys. Um, you know, those are the two I would point out is, you know, late additions, I guess, by the public definition. James, re- react to this statement. Many of the star evaluations on these players based on rivals and 247 sports now are based on their junior seasons and on their potential as opposed to their senior seasons like a a year like Rivers had. Your reaction to me saying that? Is that true? Um, I I, I would say for the most part that's true. Um, I think the, the I think there are folks out there that, that put rankings on guys. That, I mean, they're, they're doing the job to the best of their ability. This is what they do, and they watch these kids, and they have an opinion about them. Um, I would say we're probably a little bit different. We evaluate a little bit different, and as should everybody, because we evaluate for our football team, 
Uh, we evaluate for what our coaches are going to ask guys to do. Um, so even though a guy a guy may not have four stars, but you know we see something in him that says, "Hey, this guy will fit exactly what we want done at this position." Or he's a versatile type player that can do this, and he can do a little bit of that. So we we try to we. What we try to do is keep an open mind and leave the stars out of it. Um, we look for guys with traits, and we look for guys that fit what our coaches want to do. James Kirkland joining us on the Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS, Director of Player Personnel under Lovey Smith and uh, with the recruiting staff. And when I saw the Sidney Brown name come out and and, uh, and some of the recruiting uh, service guys were like, who is this guy, where did he come from? I, my first thought was you. And because uh, you and I, you, with the Isaiah Gay situation that was aforementioned, Isaiah Gay, and I'm like, is this another late addition from James Kirkland? So I, I, was, I was my, <laughs> I know it's, a, I know it's, I know it's a, a, a staff wide uh, situation. Well, I, I want to take take you back to yesterday morning. We already mentioned Virtus Brown, but I, I, take me back to yesterday morning to what the the office was like what the mood was like and the reaction once you guys watched the video uh, that he picked Illinois. Because if I understand it correctly uh, from reports, you guys, at least Lovey was the only one that knew because uh, he had the phone call yesterday morning and the rest of you guys did not know. So take me into that situation yesterday morning. Late yesterday morning. I mean, there was, I mean look, you, you would be asking probably the wrong guy. Um that would probably be a question that, that Pat could answer okay. better. Okay. Um, I'm, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm more of a, all right, so I heard that Virtus may go somewhere else. Okay, so we need to figure out who's the next guy. Honestly, I was in my office watching film and just waiting to hear the word. Now, I heard guys, I heard guys, um, you know, loudly saying, hey, Hey, he's coming. Virtus is coming. So guys were happy about it, but I couldn't tell you what what it was like watching it because I didn't watch it. So I'm I'm looking for the next guy. So I mean that's kind of um, it's a little bit of what my role is. My my role is to you know look. We we may miss on this guy. Who's the next guy? It's different from it's different from being in the NFL. In the NFL, you get to pick them. Yep. In college, they pick you. So. <laughs> Um, That's so the problem with to, college. They right. pick you, and then too many of them pick the wrong teams. <laughs> so, 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 you know, it, it's. Um, I thought we had Virtus initially, and then I heard, you know, hey, man, you know, there's some confusion there. I don't know what. So it was all right. And it's, uh, okay. What's, what's the plan if he if he doesn't? You know. Um, but luckily, luckily um, he chose us, and I think I think it's a good decision. I think we have a good good plan for him. Uh, our coaches will, will work with him closely and get him developed and get him up to speed, and we'll be ready to go. I think uh, overall he's a good ad. Yeah, and your experience in the NFL in the front office, uh, you definitely can relate to, to to both sides of the coin there. Well, I talked to, to Thaddeus Ward over the summer just uh, on, on media day at, about, yeah, once a kid commits, uh, which Virtus had not done yet, you got to keep him committed. In your mind, what what is the hardest part of recruiting? Getting them to commit, uh, and again, this is not Virtus specifically, but or keeping them committed until they sign. Which, which side of the, uh, is hardest there? 
Oh man! Uh, <laughs> Too early in the morning for that a, question. That's a, that's a that's a fine question. Uh, <laughs> Are you awake enough to answer that question? Uh, I am. I am. <laughs> um, I would say, gosh, I would say from from the offer to the signing is probably the toughest part, um, particularly if the kid does commit. He does, if he does commit, you know, there's a thought, okay, we've got him in the boat. Okay, so we're good there. Well, not really because, like I said earlier, even though a kid's committed, other programs are still talking to him. Mm-hmm. Other programs are, have, still have active offers on them. Other programs are still building a relationship with them. So um, I think, you know, hey, being committed is like being engaged. You know, you're, you're you're together, but you're not quite there yet. So, um, it's a great analogy, I James. Would say, <laughs> I would say, I would say, Thad is absolutely right. I would say Thad is absolutely right, and Thad's a guy I listen to because he has a ton of experience and he's very, very diligent and serious about recruiting. Well, that's my, uh, you know, I'm engaged right now, so I guess I got, I got, I got to use that advice for that's myself. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Lord. <laughs> James, I got one last question. You got a six right, week sprint coming up after a, a slight break. What's left mm-hmm. out there for Illinois? Um, that's a that, that's a that's a pretty wide ranging question there. Um, I think I I think there'll be I think there'll be a good number of players out there that we feel good about. Um, but it, it's hard to say. I mean, that's to be honest with you, we we, we broke yesterday. And um, I'm I'm working right now, just like just like I'm in the office. I, I just happen to be at home, but I'm in my home office and I'm watching tape and 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 trying to find out, okay, exactly what does the pool look like for this second half of recruiting. Mm-hmm. So um, there are players out there that we like already. You know, if we if we could talk to players right now, I think we have I think we'd have a good crop of guys that we could talk to right now. Um, that we feel good about adding to this football team. So um, I think we'll hit the ground running uh, come January, and I think we'll I think we'll do more of the same, which is just hey, continue to add good fits for our football team. What position? Uh, before we let you go, what positions in your mind uh, are of the, the real focus? The ones you really want to fill some spots at, at a, p- a certain position. Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily get into positions okay. as much. Um, I would just say that um, you know, based on everything that's happened with the current roster since the season ended, where you've got nine transfers off the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. um, that obviously we've got to continue to address that. Um, so I think um, I think. Uh, Right now, our focus will probably be on defense, um, but there's still there's still some other options out there, and that, that's the thing. Like we don't like we don't want to, you know, lock ourselves into we want this, this, and this. We want to be able to have some options. We want to keep ourselves in a position where we're flexible, and as things come to us, hey, there's a good football player, there's a tight end that we feel like can help us. 
We want to be in a position to be able to take them. So, um, all in all, it's just about adding good football players that fit what, we, what the coaches want to do. That That's really what it's about. Um, but, yeah, we, we're probably going to have to do a little more work on the defensive side of the ball, I would say. He's James Kirkland, Director of Player Personnel for the University of Illinois. James, put down your uh, your computer, your phone, and uh, enjoy the family. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and, and enjoy the, the holiday. And we'll be coming back Thank after you in February. Of course, of course. I'll nope. be glad to see you all again. I appreciate you guys. You all have a good holiday season. Take you too. Care. See you, James. All right. Bye. Yep, later on. Again, that's uh, James Kirkland, Director of Player Personnel. And, Lauren, I, I'm going to go back to, to Ryan Easterling earlier and something that James just said. They, we're not really going to say, okay, we need a linebacker, we need a safety. That What do we what, – what best players we can give them? We're going to put them in there. Yeah, we're going to focus on the defensive side of the ball. But then Ryan said at the beginning of the show – these guys are really good at evaluating talent and not worrying about a start as much, whereas the previous staff maybe reached a little bit on guys that weren't Big Ten players. And I, I'm liking what I'm hearing from people who cover the team and then from guys like James on how they're trying to build this roster to, to rebuild this program. They definitely need to get some help at linebacker. Yes, big absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's why good, I mentioned it. They need a good 230 pounds. They lost three linebackers who, who left the team, yep. including Dre Watson, who announced for Maryland already. I almost forgot about that. Yep, he announced yesterday and, from uh, Maryland. You know, and he's a key loss. And I thought Julian Jones had a, had a lot of potential at an outside linebacker, and he's gone. So they need to they need to ask. And, and the other thing is that they've got a good linebacker coming back in Hanson, who hasn't played because he was injured. And as soon as a guy misses a season with injury, I'm always I always have that question. You know, how can he come back all the way? Because we saw Dudak come back, but he didn't come back all the way. He got yeah. injured again, and. And it uh, seems like uh, kids that get injured are more likely to get injured again. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems that way. Well, we're going to take a time out uh, and, and come back with some uh, text messages to get to, uh, some phone call, time for your phone calls as well. We're going to break down the bragging rights game some more. And again, I'm going to tell you about an Illini basketball recruit last night that had another tremendous game the second time in a week. Uh, stats were really good last night. Uh, we'll let you know who that was and what his stat line was. Again, everybody's on social media and Twitter now, so everybody probably knows who's listening. But uh, it's well, IO. Yeah, it's IO. Yeah, <laughs> Lauren. We're, I mean, I don't want to even try to keep this a secret, so I'll try to do a teaser. But I, I mean, who is not on Twitter right now? But anyway, uh, we'll break down IO stat line coming up next, uh, and some Big Ten scores, uh, some concerning scores in the Big Ten yesterday as well. We mentioned it kind of briefly earlier in the show, but that's all coming up next. Stay with us here on DWS. One possession game, the Illini showing the heart of a champion. Throughout the season, when in trouble in the second half, they managed to find another gear. Can they do it with time running out? There is on Ingram to bat the ball away. Williams could tie it with a three. He goes! Oh! decide the team that advances to the final four. Illinois has made up 15 points in the last four minutes. Timeout, Arizona. Especially Hassan Adams, a superior offensive rebounder. McClellan, the freshman, to throw in the ball. Ten seconds, Shapur. Eight seconds. Adams going. with three. He's got to hurry. 
finally forced to shoot, and the ball game is over. Illinois in overtime advances to the final four. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. The Dick Enberg, Hall of Fame broadcaster, who's oh my calls rang familiar with so many sports fans. It was on the call for CBS back in 2005 as the Atlanta advanced to the to the Final Four, and just he's was a great broadcaster. Ten Super Bowls, 28 Wimbledon's, eight NCAA men's title games, including Larry versus Magic in 1979. This has been a tough week in that regard. Yeah, and uh, we go back to the. The loss of Shirley Beach and Teddy Edelman, and, and then we go through the uh, uh, Rod Fletcher's yeah, Rod Fletcher, death. Uh, I was mention a that. terrific player on two Final Fours. Mm-hmm. How many yes. players play in two Final Fours? I mean, you know, we've had a few, but uh, that that's tough to do. That's hard to do. And, of course, Lou Henson's been having his problems lately. And, and then my good friend Carl Meyer had a serious stroke and is in Carl right now. And... And, uh, you know, Carl uh, went from a fundraiser. In, uh, he came here with Blackman as, as an mm-hmm. assistant football coach, and I know he, he left Arizona where he was a fundraiser to be the athletic director at the University of Cincinnati and ultimately ret- returned back home and lives here now and, and with his family. And uh, it's just uh, it's a tough time for a lot of people at a, at a really great time of the year. It's Christmas, which uh, yep. will be here around the corner, and, and uh, yet we've had these uh, disappointments. Uh, Rod Fletcher, uh, consensus first-team All-American in 1952, as Lauren mentioned, uh, part of two Final Four teams in 1951 and 1952, helped lead Illinois to back-to-back Big Ten titles, uh, passed away uh, this week. And again, you I- could not make All-American with his statistics because at that time uh, he, uh, you know, he barely averaged double figures, but he was a really strong rebounder, a great defender. And uh, just an all-around good player. And the only senior on that ball club in 1952, and the only junior in 1951, I say the only, of course there are other uh, yeah, juniors and yeah. seniors on the squad, but uh, this was a team made up of, of basically uh, in 51, made up of sophomores and then with uh, Rod Fletcher, the junior at, uh, at forward. And then the only two seniors on that team were Sunderledge and Beach. And then they graduated, and so he was the only senior on that team, and it was a logical choice to be named uh, All-American uh, for the season. Although in, in the uh, in the playoffs, the, the, uh, to the regional to get to the Final Four, Breedar was considered an All-Star, and, and he hadn't even been a starter the year before. So you know, it it uh, selections like that are are very uh, tricky, and sometimes yeah. when you have a good team. They've, there's an obligation to find someone on that team who deserves recognition individually. But that was really a team, a, a group. I mean, Falmer and Bamoris and those guys all scored about the same. There was no high score. Breedar, Johnny Kerr uh, was a uh, sophomore in uh, 1952, and, and he was a good scorer. So they had they had really great balance on that team. And as it went along the next couple of years, uh, Johnny Kerr became an outstanding scorer. Well, the, we did a little teaser for you uh, on Io DeSumo's game last night. If you remember, he had, what did 50, he do? He had 51 a week ago, like Thursday well, or Friday top, the previous he'd week. He'd never be able to top that. No, he did. Uh, had 60 points last night, eight rebounds, seven assists, and five steals from Morgan Park. They're playing out in Las Vegas at the Tark Classic, Jerry Tarkanian. They said he couldn't shoot. Yeah, they said he couldn't shoot, uh, Lauren, and you've said that on this program. 
nine three pointers last night. Was uh, it nine or eight? I mean, they, they, I saw. They, well, they subtracted a point from sixty-one to sixty. Was that a? I think that as officially it was nine three pointers, but it might be eight because they they had it down as a three, but the official scorebook had it, had him for sixty instead of sixty-one because initially they had him for sixty-one. I don't know, how, you know, how many he shot and how many he missed. I've not seen that that. Uh, Breakdown yet? We don't have the box scores available Probably like we took do in college. Several shots to score sixty-one. Yeah, <laughs> <or> sixty. Uh, <laughs> <but> he's <laughs> he's just a wow, a, a tremendous. Uh, you got. I mean, that's playing gets good competition in a tournament out in Vegas. I have. I mean, I don't know the quality of the teams they're playing out there, but they played Finley Prep this year to name one. But uh, I haven't seen the last two games, yeah. but I will tell you, he's electric. Yeah, he, he, he. You don't score that. I mean, you go into the game. What do you think the other coach said? We got to stop Io. Yeah. You did. He's held him to sixty. Yeah, he, he, he didn't <laughs> score a hundred. Uh, you know, Adam Miller's also on that team. Uh, I formerly know. Peoria Emanuel, and and there's some other players. They That's got a really talent. good team. And yeah, they do. All... Look, what he's doing. I mean, he's just put up a ton of points, and he's having a, a great senior season. Uh, he's on a mission because he wants to finish the season healthy this year. He missed the state title game, got hurt in the semifinal. His team still won the state title. Uh, but he wants to win the state title. He can with definitely playing. help next season. But Illinois still has to find that big guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're st- still working on that. And of course, there's still a signing period for basketball coming up in April. Let's go to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Several text messages to get to. Uh, Benny text in this morning. Uh, Thanks for queuing up those brag and rights highlights. Can you play one of Jim Turpin's calls of the game? One of those games went to overtime when Lou Henson coached the Illini. I don't have immediate access to that, so I won't be able to do that uh, on today's show. Maybe, possibly in the future if we could find those. Ed Bond might know where that stuff is. Some of the older stuff, uh, I'm not sure where Ed has that stuff stored, but as you know, Jim Turpin's last show uh, yesterday, Jim, you hosted, uh, Lauren, you hosted this show with Jim uh, for many, many years, well we, over we, three decades. We got, we got together back in 1980. Mm-hmm. And, and I think 2013 is when uh, he stopped hosting the show, I believe. Something like that. So yeah, Steve Kelly started doing yep. it. And, and, but I, uh, in 79, uh, Larry Stewart was had announced his uh, retirement, mm-hmm. had announced it, but start, we started the show nevertheless, and uh, he was on some months. And then Jim took over when he, as soon as Jim became the station manager at sure. WDWS, Jim took over, and uh, did a terrific job running running this show for all these years. Well, it's uh, it's it's an honor and a blessing for me to be able to sit in the chair that uh, Jim, we uh, just sat in for thirty three years. Not the same chair. We're moving to different buildings now, but uh, Jim was the host of the show with you for thirty three years or so. And uh, his last penny for your thoughts was yesterday. If you not got a ch- if you not gotten a chance to listen to that show yesterday, I, I can hear a little bit of it myself. Uh, you should, especially his sign-off uh, yesterday morning. It was it was really good and really genuine, and it's on our website, WDWS.com. So congratulations to Jim to a 65-year uh, broadcasting career. You guys called a lot of Illini games together. A lot of games, and, yeah. and, uh, and we had a celebration last night at Jane's house, yes. Jane, his daughter and uh, Jane's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they had 100 people there. I, I believe it because uh, my fiance Valerie and I walked in, and we and our four-month-old daughter was with us, and she was asleep. Well, she wasn't asleep until we left. There was a <laughs> lot of people in there, a lot of noise. So they, uh, it, it was it was great to see so many people there, though. Yeah, and, uh, it was noisy, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a a really good event that uh, Jane Deleuze and Joe and others uh, put on last night uh, for Jim Turpin. Uh, again, uh, retired yesterday from a penny for your thoughts. Let's go to the phones here before we take a time. I've got some other text messages we'll get to as well. Let's go to Al and Montrose. Al, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. I can argue with you guys just as well as I could with Jim. Okay. But, uh, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not a very good arguer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I am a little bit encouraged with our uh, football recruiting. I mean, uh, I was worried about hanging on to the Texas kids and then getting Brown here. That, that helps. But bottom line is we're still, you know, 12th or below top 10 in the Big Ten. Well, now, well, well, hang on a minute. You know, the problem with that, and, and you're right, those are the numbers. But the problem is that some teams like Nebraska bring in 14. Some other schools like Minnesota brought in 26. So the number will really fool you because they'll all have the right number when February rolls around. But Minnesota can't take anymore. That's a great point. And, uh, and when you Illinois brought in 18, Minnesota brought in like 26, like you said. So like their recruiting ranking, which is number Much one. higher because they, of the numbers. They've got a lot more three-star players than Illinois has because yeah. they have a lot more players than Illinois has in this recruiting class right now. And it's the best recruiting class Minnesota's ever had, apparently, according to reports out of Minnesota. But when you have eight more players and Illinois hasn't filled out their recruiting class yet, I, I'm just not ready to even worry about uh, where they stand in the rankings right now. Talk to me in February. Uh, Who did we pass up? Uh, I know we passed up a couple teams. Uh, uh, Nebraska only took 14. That's why we passed Nebraska. Okay. I mean, that, I mean yeah. that's the answer to your question. That makes sense. But, but I, that's not – Really, Purdue's right below us, but Purdue had 24 kids and they're ranked below us. So I, I, it's just really a, a crapshoot, if you will, on because Purdue has 24 three stars, but they have zero four stars and no five stars. So all of them are three star players. Well, Illinois right now has two four star players and 16 three stars. Well, I I thought they only had three four stars. I mean, I'm counting. Oh yeah, Jay. Yeah, that's true. I'm, count, I'm counting uh, Avery and Brown, so that's three. Yeah, they they have three. That's that's a good point. But on the basketball side, uh, Kyle, a few weeks ago, you were telling about how he was shooting really poor and was over ten and three points. That's right. All of a sudden, did he all of a sudden turn it around? Well, I, I've I've I'm never known I've never known a guy not to shoot well one day and shoot well the next. Have you? I never heard of that. No, that part, that part's <laughs> true. But, uh, did, did you see what Northwestern did? In, in the, the, you know, so you have a good game one game, you have a bad game the next. I can't, you know, you can't base it on that. The, the problem with Io's shooting is this. He's a good enough shooter, but he shoots from the chest. He's got to have the opening. If he can create the opening, he can make the shot. But if he's guarded, he can't, he's, he's got a pro, he doesn't shoot at high extension. You know what I'm saying? That's we sure must have uh, been pretty good against some decent competition somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Happens all yeah. the time. People have good games. People have bad games. <laughs> all right. We have our A game tonight because uh, I'm afraid Missouri's got way too much for us. If we have our A game, maybe. Maybe we can pull an upset. Well, Illini fans are hoping to continue well, that streak. They're, and they're four and a half point underdog. That's not the worst. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a close game. I, I, mean, I, I just watched. Uh, Stephen F. Austin play him off their feet. And that's Brad Underwood. Stephen F. Austin's coming down the court with the ball, one point down with 10 seconds to go. All they got to do is score and win the game. They didn't score. One last question. Okay. Is Oklahoma that good? Well, uh, Trey, Trey Young's that Trey good. Trey Young's that good. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I, I, Lauren and I talked about this before the show. I, I know everybody talks about Marvin Bagley the third and DeAndre Ayton of Arizona Bagley at uh, Duke. Uh, Trey Young's the best player in the country. Uh, Andy Katz said two weeks ago on the show, or even last week, I think it was, um, it's he's he's his number one draft pick right now, NBA draft pick. That's what Andy Katz said. And I've I've since paid close attention to Trey Young since he said that, and he's absolutely right. He, he's I mean, just and watch his mannerisms 
and how he shoots and his quick release and where he shoots from, who does he remind you of? Who does he? Uh, oh, uh, Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. The release yeah. is just as fast. The yeah. His footwork yeah. and where he shoots the ball from, and he's so accurate. I mean, he's just – last night he was incredible against Northwestern and just a blowout, embarrassing loss for Northwestern last night, 104-78. to He had 34 30, assists in the last two games. Yep, 31-12 and 12 last night, and he had 25-10 and 10 at halftime. I mean, it's just yeah. – it's just unbelievable. All right, Al, we got to run. Thanks so much. Merry Christmas. That is Al uh, joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Going to take a timeout. We'll come back to get more of your text and calls here on DWS. Uh, they're a very, very good basketball team. I, I watched them at length uh, against my old team, against Stephen F. Austin the other night. Um, they shoot close to half their shots from the three. They're a very, very good three-point shooting team. Uh, they're going to take a lot of them, and yet you better account for them uh, on the glass. They're plus 10 on the glass, and... and uh, uh, very, very typical of, of Conzo's team. Very good rebounding, very solid defensively. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser, the Christmas edition of Saturday Sports Talk. Christmas just two days away. A little bit of snow on the ground. Expecting more uh, overnight and into tomorrow. If you're traveling, I'll be very careful. Uh, I was supposed to travel a couple different locations. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Mother Nature does what she wants. Uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line 351-5357. Give us a call 356-9397. It's Brad Underwood uh, on Mizzou tonight. Uh, Fighting Illini game day with Scott Beatty gets underway at 530. The tip with Brian Barnhart and Deion Thomas is at 7 o'clock from the Scott Trade Center down in St. Louis. Illinois won, has won four straight games in the series, looking for their fifth straight. Illinois 8-5 and five on the season. Mizzou is 10-2, and two, coming off that one-point win that we previously mentioned against Stephen F. Austin. Some other Big Ten notes, uh, a couple of difficult uh, losses for the Big Ten yesterday. The Big Ten has really had a tough uh, non-conference season. Stony Brook, just 5-8 and eight in the season, was down by five with ten seconds to go Come at on. Rutgers. Come on. And they won in overtime. The shot with two-tenths of a second to Did go in overtime. Did you see that steal in the shot? I have not seen the, the highlights of the game. The the ball in the corner and, and fallen out of bounds, shot it, and went in for I, a three. I read how he made the shot. You can't, and make, you can't make up a... a that many points and you can't make up that many points in the last second can you no it just to, to be down five points at 10 seconds to go a lot of thing ha- has to go wrong for the team winning I mean you just you have to miss free throws you have to turn the ball over I mean there's a lot of things that can happen but if you got a five-point lead with 10 seconds to go just make your free throws take care of the ball and it's over and Rutgers did not do that and they lost in overtime to Stony Brook the Illini fans are familiar with Stony Brook in the NIT game which the Illini survived they didn't win they survived that game a few years ago and then Penn State lost at the buzzer uh, right at the buzzer to Ryder 71 to 70 so a couple a couple tough losses uh, three tough losses for the Big Ten yesterday. That blowout to Oklahoma 104-78 by Northwestern What was that scored half 68 to 38 Yep that by 30 at the half 68. on the road they only gave up 68 in the first half. Yeah, only 68. There are teams, there are teams in, in college basketball score 68 for a game. Oklahoma had that at halftime. Trey, Trey Young is just that phenomenal. So I, I think that the Big Ten has got to hope it has a, a good conference season and hope Michigan State can hold the conference up and Purdue and some others because right now 
Um, it's really a really tough. Bill Castle Healing Cooling text line: Steph Curry shoots it from his chin. Uh, Bill, yeah, maybe I was being maybe too literal about in the uh, the mannerisms in the shot and the quick release. Not so much where he releases it from; it's the quick release uh, that I'm referencing there. Uh, Benny texts in. Thanks for the Dick Inberg highlights. He was one of my favorites. Yeah, he's one of the best. Uh, 618 area code. Um, Underwood uh, did not do any TV or radio in St. Louis. And again, he only does the pregame thing the day before. So if like radio stations didn't, uh, he doesn't do any individual interviews very often, like about an upcoming game. I don't know what Conzo Martin did down there in Missouri. He can do his own thing. Uh, but Brad is very available. Uh, every He answers all of our questions. Well, what time did they leave Friday? I don't know what time they left yesterday. I'm not sure. I didn't. I, I didn't mean, ask Brian. He's yet. not going to do it on Saturday. That's today. No, he's not going to do it today. So if he was going to do it, he would have done it yesterday. I wonder if he turned somebody down yesterday. I don't. Yeah, know. I'm not sure if he did. I don't did know it. what time he got there, and I don't know what his plans were. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, all I know is that he has been extremely, uh, uh, you know, he works extremely well with with the with the, with the media here. Yeah, uh, no, no, and Grant, well, I'll be. We didn't ask for him this morning. We just we just assume you're not going to get him on a day of. And oh no. Yeah, and so we we and because that's why he does the pregame thing a day or two before the game, depending on the, where, when they're traveling. Uh, that's why he does that. That's why he meets with all the media in that format to get uh, th- that in. And so we, I mean. St. Louis TV and radio, honestly, I don't know how many of them actually come up to the games anyway, uh, and so I don't know if any of them asked for them, uh, asked for him either. Take your final time out. We'll come back and wrap up the show. This is Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. All I want for is you. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Christmas just two days away. All I want for Christmas is more of Lauren Tate in this studio every oh, Saturday. I'm a, well, thankfully, we still have that. So <laughs> you're not you're not allowed to go anywhere. Jim Turpin retired yesterday from Penny for Your Thoughts. You're not going anywhere. I'm, I'm not, right behind you. I'm not allowing that to happen. There's no way. Not not that I have any control or anything Question, like that. Question real quick. Sure. How can Illinois be number six nationally in offensive rebounding percentage when they they don't have a basket protector? That's a great question. That's I two think, different things. That's yeah. two different questions. Yeah, and I think you had the one game where uh, anonymously where they had like 20-some offensive rebounds a couple of games ago. I forgot who that was against, and it was maybe Longwood was the they game. They do go to the board, though. Yeah, and they go to the boards, uh, but they had, a ga- they had a game where they had six offensive rebounds. So it's been kind of up and down at times. Uh, but they have the guards are going to the boards. That, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think that's helping a lot, and it's filling in those gaps where they don't have – the post player who can go and get rebounds. I mean, LeRon Black is, you know, on the offensive end can get some rebounds, but you're having multiple guys instead of just the post players. When is All-Star going to break out? I don't know. when he, He's had really good moments at times. He looked great against Maryland. He just struggled at others. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Mizzou, Illinois. Tonight, pregame show, Fighting Illini game day with Scott Beatty at 530. Tip-off at 7 right here on News Talk 1400 DWS and our sister station, Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Thanks to Ryan Easterling, Frank Cusimano, James Kirkland. Merry Christmas, Lauren. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to everybody. Yep. Thanks, Blake Landa. Have a great weekend, everybody.